What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. I'm stoked for you to meet today's guest, Billy Westbrook, father, husband, entrepreneur. We dig into two items that I wanna share with you. One is if you find yourself a bit of a control freak as a dad, how to balance that, how to fight against being a control freak. And then two, in our fast-paced consumer world, how one, to lead yourself, and two, to lead your children, not to define yourself by your things, but by who you are becoming. Enjoy meeting my friend, Billy. All right, welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. Obviously, I'm smiling ear to ear again because I love talking about fatherhood with new people. Excited to have Billy Westbrook on the show. Billy, how are you today? Wonderful, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being on. We were introduced from one of my greatest mentors, my uncle, Michael Newtbar, who was on, you know, maybe one of the first 25 episodes or so. And he said that you are a solid dad, husband, business owner, and that we had to connect. And so here we are, ready to talk fatherhood. Yeah, Michael's awesome, man. He's, He's a, a fun dude. time. He's yeah. a fun time for sure. So that people can get a, a understanding of, of who you are, real quick, I'll just ask you some questions. Um, how old are you today? I actually just turned 42 yesterday. Okay, yeah. right on, right on. Happy yeah. birthday. Thank uh, you. So 42, how many years you've been married? Uh, 12. 12, 12 years. years. And how many kiddos do you have? Four children. No messing yeah. around. <laughs> Well, how old yeah. or a lot of messing around? One of the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, how how old are the kids? So Hayden, uh, our eldest, is gonna be eighteen in December. So he's seventeen okay. right now, senior in high school. You know, trying Man, to figure big out transition. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, and uh, it's it's that transition where he's still a kid but wants to be an adult, and you know, we're figuring all that out as it comes. It's our first time to deal with it, so. But it's cool. Uh, so yeah, seventeen-year-old, and then Landon is eleven, and then Harlow's our one and only little girl, and she's seven, and then Rowan is our youngest and a bit of a surprise, but not really, and he is three. Okay, all right. So yeah. you got quite the spread there, three to seventeen, yeah. all stages pretty much, uh, as far as having kids at home. So definitely sure. keeps you on keeps you on your toes. Um, yeah. And then what do you do? Well, where do you guys live? Southern California? Yeah, yeah. So we live in Temecula, um, Southern California, about 45 minutes north of San Diego. Okay, perfect. And, yep. And then what do you do for a living? What do you do day-to-day, provide for the family? So I invented a windshield wiper many years ago um, when I was racing BMX, and uh, that's what I do. We sell windshield wipers. Scrub Blade Wipers is, uh, is the company. Yeah, I love all your guys' branding on on Instagram. I mean, that's where I see it. Uh, yeah. But all your stuff is solid. And Temecula is probably the place to be with with a brand like that. For sure. For off-road, overland. Yeah, that's definitely the spot. Nice. How long you been doing that? So I started the company in 2007. So we're, 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 we're going on, what, 16 years, something like that? 15, nice. 16. So you hit the struggle hard right there. Start it 2008, 2009. Stuck yep. it out and then outlasted the uh, the issues in yeah. the economy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, nice. Starting, starting a company with a, a young child at the time, you know, and uh, it was it was a tough tough season of life, but we pursued, and I wouldn't change it for the world where we're at right now. Yeah, love it. And we'll get more into that as I want to talk, you know, a lot about, you know, building a business as a father with young kids. Um, but mm-hmm. we'll get into that in a moment. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions about fatherhood right off the bat. When you think about becoming a father and some of the different stages, what have been some of the best resources for you? Um, I would say initially um, 
you know, you, you reflect on what your father taught you if you did have a father in your life, you know, and, and respect and respect for women and like just the, the basic found foundational values of being a good man. So I would say I started there, but then early on when my son was born, um, I went through a divorce mm-hmm. and I could have went a couple different routes, but what I did is I went straight to church. I just felt like that's where I needed to go. I needed to rely and, and lean on God and um, try to help me through that time of life. And so that really was my, my foundation and like what I've based my fatherhood off of is what, how God treats us and how Jesus is. Got it. So you have, you have, you know, you, you have a, a kid, you're younger, you, you know, your son's 17 now, um, you're going to go through this divorce. Had church been a part of your life pre this state, like growing up, was it a part of your life or was this no. like out of nowhere? So then yeah. what was the piece that you're like, ah, oh, shoot, I'm going to go to church. That feels like an answer that I need. Right. You know, um, growing up, my parents never, we never went to church. I mean, I maybe went to, to Sunday school once growing up and I don't even know if it was with my actual parents. It might've been with a family member or something. So Church was definitely not part of our, our thing. Um, but I had a couple friends that took me to church um, as my young adult age, you know, and it was really cool. It just felt right. But before that, I always just growing up in a broken home also myself, I always hmm. would pray to God. I would in my mind when I was feeling lonely or sad, you know, um, I would just pray to God. I didn't know why. It was just this natural thing inside me. And so throughout the years and growing up as an adult, you know, once that happened and I went through that divorce, it was like, okay, I could either go crazy and go down the path of, you know, substances and just, just blow it all. Mm -hmm. Or I could switch gears and go straight to, to church. And I, and I had that pull, God was pulling me that direction and thank God I listened. And that was the best decision I ever made. I mean, that was the hardest thing I ever went through at that time. And, um, Looking back on it, I could not have, I wouldn't be where I was at if I didn't go to church that Wednesday, that Wednesday night. Wow. So it's even like that Wednesday, that particular Mm -hmm. day is like this pivotal moment in life, which is so wild because every single one of us have these choices like every day, right? We got choices. Some choices are easier or harder than others. But when you choose that path of this is maybe a really hard decision, but I'm making it and how your decisions get easier when you make those hard decisions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Man, so it's just this moment. So really, if you were to name it, you just say there was this pull on my heart. And so I just went for it. Yep. Yeah. Was there any fear or vulnerability? Like, "Ah, this is what other people will think. I mean, you said you raced BMX. I don't know what kind of scene Mm -hmm. you were hanging out with. You know, was there any pull like "Ah, this is anti kind of the life I'm living or no? Um, You know, at the time, it was kind of a blend. I mean, I had, you know, there's people you can hang out with that could be good influencers or bad influences. Right. And and I had both of them in my life at the time. And, uh, and I just, it was funny because the, the couple people that took me to church, I looked up to as cool BMX racers. Like I was like, mm. these guys are rad. And they took me to church and I'm like, Oh, church can be cool. Like it can be, it can be okay. You know, like for people like us. And so that, that was kind of my connection there. And so I had no, reservations about going. It was literally like, this is what I need to do. This is going to be the best for me and my, my son and my next chapter in life. And so I went all in and, and, you know, when you're in that low period of, of your life, whether it be death or divorce or what have you, there are no reservations. Like you are broken. And so you don't care if you're really at that level, you don't care what people think of you because it's, it's just, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. You just have to do what you have to do to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that there's, there's sometimes this, this mentality that mom, mom is just the one who's going to take care of this kid. If we're going to split at a young age, you know, you were around 24 at the time. Mm -hmm. What in you was like, I want to be a part of this. This is important to me. Well, so like I broke up and I, I I grew up in a broken home as well from Mm -hmm. the age of three, my parents divorced and they moved States apart. So that was like big separation. Brutal. Yeah. So I'd spend a year here, a year there, a summer there, you know, bounce back and forth um, up until I lived on my own. But I didn't want that for my son. Hmm. And 
my divorce was not my choice at the time. You know, it was my wife at the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing is, is just because you're married and just because you loved each other at one point in time or what have you, it doesn't mean you're meant to be together. And mm-hmm. the other person may have different thoughts, you know, or, or, um, so you just, you can't control it. And, and so that was, my goal was never to be raising my son in a broken home and it happened out of my control. So yeah. my number one goal was to pour everything I had into him and to make sure I did everything I could to be in his life every single week is, you know, I mean, that was like one of the hardest things was driving away from my home at the time and seeing my, you know, year and a half old son, like crying for me when I'm driving away. Dude, heavy. Just, you know, ruthless. Like, yeah, but you fought for that and you fought for relationship and, and there's right. this, this window. So just to dig into this for a minute, because I think it'd be helpful for dudes who may find themselves as like single dad, you know, so then you go through this, uh, like a six year period or so, because then you get married again at 30. What advice or nuggets would you share with a dude, you know, in that that process of what either worked well or what didn't work well when you're deciding, okay, I'm going to date, I'm going to meet somebody else, I'm going to like start a family in my son's six or so. So I don't know if there's any thoughts that come to mind with that. Yeah, I'd say um, for sure there does. So I kind of made a list of who that person was going to be as my my wife. Mm-hmm. you know, because I feel like yeah. in life, like you, you see someone you're attracted to, you end up starting to hang out with them and you don't really dig into their personality, their background, their family. Like you just, you just, if, if you're attracted to them and they're cool, then you guys kind of get together and you go down that road and that's necessarily not the right route. I mean, it does work mm-hmm. out, but so for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to be super picky with who I choose to be my wife, you know? And, and uh, I, I listed out a, um, a laundry list of things. And also important was that she would be a really wonderful mother figure to my son, mm-hmm. you know, a stepmom. And so that's what I did. I made out a list of, you know, just a, a, almost a unrealistic list. And my wife now checked most of that list off. Stuff that was just amazing, you know? I think that's so important for people to hear, right? Like if you're married and and you've made a vow and you're dedicated to this person, then yes. I mean, I think that's, you know, go all in. But if you're in this stage or or planning to get married, maybe you're a younger dude and who hasn't yet, be super picky. Like my one daughter, dude, she's 12. She's my son's twin. She, I... I could just see her falling for a dude because she just wants to have a family so bad. And, and like my mantra for her all the time is like, Hey, I'm like, Hey, Presley, what's, what's the mantra? She's like, don't settle dad. Don't settle. I'm like, yep, that's right. You know, because for her, that's what I need her to speak in because I don't want her to find some freaking baby she needs to take care of. Um, so when you think about that list, is there like, a couple non-negotiables. So if a dude's like, okay, yeah, my, my list may have some unrealistic things or maybe whatever, whatever. Is there a couple non-negotiables that you're like, this was key for me as I'm thinking about a spouse that I'm going to make a vow to hopefully the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. There, there definitely were a few, um, one being a faith-based woman. I mean, she, you know, a, a lover of Christ for sure. Um, two independent, Mm. At the time, I was like, I want a woman that is independent, self-educated, can make her own money if she needs to, like, doesn't rely on me to do everything for her, you know? Um, And then just simple things like, I want her to be able to go, you know, out to the desert and get dirty and be cool Mm -hmm. with that. Or go snowboarding and be stoked on that or dress up and look beautiful if we go to dinner. You know, like, I know those seem kind of surfacey, but if that's your life and that's what you do, like you, your partner, your, your, they need to go along with that and and be stoked to do that with you. And I think that's really rad you bring up because yeah, if I go to a bar, which is fine and I meet a girl and she's smoking hot and I'm like, we start dating, but we're really not ever going to be best friends. Well, now I'm a year in and it's just like, it is what it is. Like, it's cool. We're together versus I'm actually looking for a best friend to do life with. 
and somebody who's a teammate, right? We're a team. So I think that those things aren't surface level at all. I think that they're wise to go, I want to be best friends with you. Like I want to have fun with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, and so killer. So I think that's dude. Yeah. We don't really prep our kids for that. We don't, nobody preps us for how to go get married. I don't, I don't think, I think those are conversations us fathers should be really making and not it just be based on, you know, either I had a killer dad and I saw how he did it. Or my story was like, I was flip flopping between two States. So I just Mm -hmm. on my own realized what I wanted, Mm -hmm. but killer man, you figured it out. Yeah. Um, Luckily. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. You know what? But it's work, right? All of us yeah. in the world talking about it. It's work. Marriage is work, but it's worth it. Yeah. It um, all right. Next question. Role of the father. So when you think about being a father, how would you describe that role? Um, being present in your mm-hmm. kids' lives. Um, obviously showing love and affection and sternness when they need it. And um, you can't just be the the friend all the time, you know? Yeah. So talk to me about, um, uh, affection. So when you say, you know, you've got three sons and a daughter, um, do you feel like your parents were affectionate? And then is that what you're giving to your kids? Like I'm dude, I'm telling my kids, I love them and kissing them all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I haven't heard people use that word very often from a father saying I, affection is a role mm-hmm. of the father. So where do you find that that falls in? Like it's important, but I don't know that we talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think it's important to, to that your kids feel comfortable around you. Mm. You know, it's just that simple. Like they, they don't look to their father as this, you know, tough, mean, aggressive protector at that level, but someone that they they're they they can be vulnerable to and come up to you and cry and hug you and you know even your sons who should be manly you know boys like they can come up and give their dad a hug and sit on his lap or what you know whatever age they are and i think that's important to have affection with your kids and it doesn't come natural to me mm. i'm not a very my wife you know i'm not very affectionate i guess you could say but i make it a point to be and i and like you i tell my kids i love them countless times a day and hugs and, you know, I make sure they know I love them. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the root you said that, okay, affection, I want my kids to feel comfortable so that they can be vulnerable with me. And if I think about being a man, if I'm affectionate with my kids, then I'm choosing to be vulnerable. So it's like, you're right. choosing to be vulnerable. And by you doing that through the simple act of, Hey bro, I love you. Have a killer day today. Right. You know, right. that's me being vulnerable as a man. And then it's giving my son daughter, the opportunity to be the same. So it comes down to vulnerability and comfortable. And I think that's so key is like, cause I know that there's certain things my kids aren't, you know, I'll walk into a room and it's like, Oh, dad's here. Look busy. Or he's going to ask us about yeah, yeah. how much sugar we add or whatever, <laughs> sure. whatever it is that I'm yeah. concerned about. Yeah. Um, but to be comfortable, I love that. Okay. And then presence. You know, we talk about presence a lot. What does presence mean to you to be present with your kids? You know, to me is never miss a football game or a recital or um, anything at at, at home, bedtime, reading Mm. time, you know, dinner around the table. Um, You know, we're busy. We're we're all busy, but you got to make time. Yeah. How many nights a week? So totally put you on the spot. You think you guys have dinner as a family around that table? five to six. Wow. Unless we're out eating, but we're still around a table, but at home for sure. Yeah. That's killer. It's so hard to do. You know, when you've got four kids, you've got sports, you've got friends, you've got all this stuff, but that time around the table is so critical. Why do you think it's so critical? You know, I think it's important just because it, Maybe at the time for the kids, it doesn't feel important. And, but I think as they grow up, it's going to mean a lot to them that they had those moments just sitting around, goofing around, talking, maybe, you know, uh, playing a little Uno. We, we do mm-hmm. Uno flip a lot, you know, and just, just sitting there. And sometimes the TV's not even on in the background, but we're still sitting around, you know, the table and um, having fellowship and just being a family. I think it's important. A hundred percent. It's funny though. Cause it's like, you can't put, you can't really put a full, like 
uh, descriptive sentence around how important it is. Cause we're kind of like, it's an anchor, it's a fellowship, it's time. You know, sometimes I'm like, okay, we're going to spend time together. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And you know, cause I'm like Mr. Planner, but to just be together. Right. Right. It and, means something. And and it's not the, 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 you know, movie story setting, perfect little dinner time. It's For chaotic. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you're, you know, Rowan, is our little Pharaoh child who's three and he's throwing stuff across the room. And, you know, like it's, (laughs) but we, no matter what, we're always around the table. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. I love that. And I think that, that, you know, sometimes when we say, Oh, we have dinner six times a week (laughs) as a family, people just see this like perfect, like you said, this movie thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's really, you know, you know, cause I've talked about, you know, doing a devotion with my kids or something. And it's not like all my kids are like, yay, it's, it's Bible time. Let's sit around with dad. It's like, no, they're falling all over the couch. They're like, we don't want to do this, whatever. Um, but it's, it's in that moment as a dad. And I think this is something I have to tell myself. So I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get, find myself getting frustrated. I'm like, hold up, dude, just enjoy this. One yeah. day you're going to miss this. Like the kids yeah. getting up from the table or giving you yeah. some pushback. I don't know. Is there anything you're kind of reminding yourself in your head when you're in those moments? I, you know, you, you really nailed it. It's like, this isn't going to last forever. It's a short like snippet of our, of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just got to enjoy the moments and you know, it is chaotic. It is stressful. And you have to remember too, that they're, kids they're not adults yeah they don't have our mentality our you know like we need to have structure and have things this way like they shouldn't because they're kids so that's something my wife and I are constantly reminding ourselves like we want them to act like adults but they're not yeah it's almost like we could act like kids a little bit more a hundred percent and that's that's way harder for us to do than them to act like adults (laughs) yes so let's talk about this so like dudes listening to this are, and, and you and I, like I'm looking at the whiteboard behind you, there's clearly stuff you're working on. There's, you know, we have these, you know, dashboards for our life. We're growing our business. We're trying to be elite. It's really, you know, personal development is important. Mm-hmm. But how do you, how do you personally mash that up with, yes, I want to be intense, grow as a human, but I also want to give a lot of grace for myself just to enjoy being alive. I have a really good balance with that. I've never put a ton of pressure on myself to take my company to a certain level within a certain amount of time, mm. you know, and a lot of entrepreneurs and people will say that like, you need to have goals to, to meet those goals and timelines. And, you know, I've never really done that and it's worked out pretty well for me. Um, I've had just as much family time as I have had growing the business for sure. Mm. Um, it's taken me longer to, get to this point in the company side, but my family is completely intact and they love watching it happen and they're involved. I mean, on a normal day, they'd be busting through this door in the next, you know, hour and a half from school and it's just loud and chaotic and our employees love it. And it's just part of, part of who we are. Mm, I love it. I love it. Well, then that kind of leads into my rebel and create question. You know, this podcast is called fatherhood Mm -hmm. field notes and you're doing it right. Open up your life. Like, here's what happened when I was 24 and when I was 30. And so we're getting to like have a peek into Billy's life. Um, But the mantra behind it is rebel and create. And the idea is it's like, I could be rebelling against having my, you know, we don't have phones on Sunday so that I can create a family day of rest to I'm rebelling against, you know, being all out on my business because that's so important so that I can create moments with my family. And, And it sounds like that is kind of where you're leaning into. So Talk to me more about your rebellion against that and what you want to create. Right. Yeah. So I'm rebelling against the, you know, the, the building, the empire grinding 80 hour plus work weeks, um, you know, and chasing that, that like entrepreneur mindset of, uh, you know, money's everything and a big company is everything. And it's not, you know, I mean, it's important to have, be able to financially take care of yourself and your family. But your family is the that's the root. That's the foundation. Right. You know, so I rebel against the guy that's, you know, self-made building, building the uh, the empire at all costs. So what do you have in place 
to help you. So like, I feel that way. And a lot of guys might feel that way on Sunday afternoon when I've kind of got out of the work mode and I'm like, ah, family's so important. And then Monday by two o'clock, I'm like, business matters. I got to crush this week. I mean, so do you have both or, or what things do you have in place so that you're not months down the road going, you know, Hey, family, I'm going to crush this for the next three months before you know it. It's like two years down the road. Totally. Yeah. Um, I have a good team behind me really. So, and, and, you know, I think being a leader or a CEO or a founder or, or what have you, you have to diversify. You got to be able to relinquish responsibility in order to give you time, you know? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs and guys that are building companies or, you know, maybe working for other, you know, corporate America, they're control freaks and they can't relinquish that, you know, they have to have their eye on everything. Everything has to be CC'd to them or blind copied, like they have to have eyes on everything that's going on. And all that does is just eat up your time. So do you think that people who are control freaks, that maybe there's something else going on inside them that they're not paying attention to? Like you have peace. So I'd say two things I'm hearing. One, you have peace. And two, you're not defined by your goals or your work. Mm -hmm. So where does that come into play for you that you're like, you're not defined by those things? Yeah, I think maybe um, it could be like insecurities Mm. in in men that, you know, are they have to prove themselves or they have to prove themselves to other people or, you know, like maybe they grew up poor or what have you. And they just they have something to prove and it's a financial gain and it's building this empire. But if you have a family, that's you're really missing the point. So how do you stay away from feeling like you have something to prove and you're you're like, this family is what matters. So I'm doing what I can for this family, not for, you know, who is right. Billy? How does people see Billy? Yeah. Um, I think just being content and being thankful, wake up every morning before I even open my eyes. I'm saying thank you, God, for another day to just breathe and live and have my chaotic life with my family and my business. I mean, just be thankful, be in the you know, we're not promised tomorrow. So why worry so much about it a year down the road, two, three, five years down the road? Like just take it for what it is every day. Do your best, have balance. And so it seems like you actually live your life based on I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I mean, not like you're out being like, let's just have fun today, right? You're still taking care of your responsibilities. Yeah. But I think a lot of us know that factually, like factually we go, yeah, tomorrow's not guaranteed. I agree. But if you look at how I'm living my life, I'm really living for tomorrow. I'm I right. always thinking for about sure. the future. So how do you take that from a fact to a belief, right? Like I live my life based on my beliefs. Man, you know, it, I don't honestly don't know. Um, I think it's just, I think it's just something internal. Hmm. Um, it's a, it's a choice that you've made clearly. And I think that a lot of dudes would be so much more satisfied with their life if they operated off that belief. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I can speak and talk about how I'm, how I live my life, but you know, I've developed it that way. I've kind of designed it that way. Okay. When I started my, when I started my company, it wasn't to be rich and to be, you know, it was to have time and to spend time with my family and have my own schedule. And, and I get it. A lot of people start companies for that. And that's why entrepreneurs are who they are, but they somehow lose sight of that. You know, it's cool to work 80 hours or it's cool to grind and, you know, do all that, but I've never been that guy. Yeah. So it sounds like you're not really comparing yourself to many people. No. Yep. So two questions I have off this. Do you have any daily habits that you're like, yeah, I'm very free, but here's a couple daily habits that are non-negotiable that actually help me live this belief I have? Yeah, I would say I'm very um, repetitive with my days. Uh-huh. For sure. I mean, clockwork. Like I wake up in the morning. <laughs> so what are a couple daily habits that you do that, that to you, you're like, yeah, these are just, I've just always done these, but to somebody else, they might go, man, I don't, I don't do those daily habits. Well, I, I definitely work out every day on the weekends. I don't, but, but five days a week, I, I make an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. I work yeah. out no, no matter what. Um, 
coffee in the morning. <laughs> you know, um, before I open my eyes, I, I like I said, I say thank you to God and and say a quick little prayer, and I get up out of bed and. Um, I'm tired and drained, but I sit there and kind of wake up for about 45 to an hour and then the kids get up and then I start the day, you know, what's your morning look like with your kids? Um, so I get them up at seven and then make them breakfast, pack the lunches. How do you wake Um, them up? Well, they say I wake them up meanly, but I don't, I just turn on the lights. (laughs) (laughs) Check this out. Uh, I turn on the lights and I go, you know, good morning, like, you know, time to get up. And then they're like, oh, and they throw the pillow over their their face. And then I got to rub my daughter's back nicely and, you know, get her up and, you know. See, those are the things I'm talking about. Like, those are the daily habits that that we don't realize are these critical components to building a foundation with your family. It's like one, I'm working up so that I'm not a dick to everybody, right? right? I'm getting up, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm going in and I'm waking my kids up. So the first voice, most mornings, it sounds like that they're hearing is yeah. dad's voice, whether they're giving yeah. pushback or not, whatever that's consistent in something inside of each of us wants to know, like there's this foundation. I mean, and dude, even to go back to right when you wake up, you're like, good morning, God. Thanks for this day. So you're like, it's not all about me and I'm not king of the universe. So you're, you're setting an intention right there. And then your kids, like our job, man, I just did a podcast with a guy, one of my greatest mentors talking about stability and, and this idea of how you create stability is like longevity. And so if you're regularly having dinner with your family, you know, which is at the end of the day and waking them up in the morning, there's this trust, like dad's here for me. You didn't have to say it. You didn't have to, you're just dad's here for me. Yeah. I hope they feel that way, you know? Well, I, I mean, I bet if we had them on here, they would say that. And I just want to encourage other dads. You know, like if you're listening to this, just it doesn't matter how much you make or what you do. Mm-hmm. You could wake your kids up in the morning and then you could eat with them or say goodnight to them. And like yeah. that right there, 40 years from now, your kid's going to have a different foundation that so many people around the world. Yeah. Amen. Love it. Okay. So that's daily habits. Like clearly there's there's consistency there. Um Okay. So my next question about talking about you having peace and not being defined necessarily by business is when you live in like a Southern California and you've got kids, how do you coach, teach, guide your kids to not get caught up in material things because you don't seem caught up in material Mm -hmm. things, but it's like, dude, it's hard going to school, have an Instagram if they've got it. Uh, I mean, we're constantly being marketed to all day long. So yes. what are your thoughts on that, on on teaching your kids to value time and presence and family over stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's a daily struggle for sure. Um, not so much with my, my sons, but my daughter, you know, she's always comparing herself to other kids and mm-hmm. that whole thing. Um, but we do have a, a faith-based foundation in our house. Um, our children go to a Christian private school. Hmm. So they're around a lot of like-minded people and teachers and they pray every day and they say that, you know, I mean, it's been such a huge blessing. We did that actually when COVID hit. It switched um, to the Christian school. Yeah. yeah Cause they were in, they were in public and then obviously public shut down and the whole thing right. happened. And so uh, thankfully we ended up making the, the choice and moved them into private school. And it's been, a big help with keeping them grounded more so, you know, um, but that, and then we're not like that. Their parents aren't like that. And, and we're always, you know, um, we're not, we're, we always say we're not gluttons. Like we don't need to buy all the crap that mm-hmm. gets old and breaks and withers away. And we have everything we need and our kids have everything they need and more so, you know, but um, if you walked into our home today, you'd be like, you guys have kids? Like, where is there? Where's all the stuff? You know, oh, we really? just, yeah, we just, we choose not to, you know, um, like I said, they have everything they need, but we, uh, we run a pretty tight ship with that stuff. Hmm. Hmm. And, and do you get a lot of pushback? I mean, you said a little bit from your daughter, but she was seven, seven. right? <laughs> Yeah. So she's kind of like in this stage of just even coming into, into like where the clothes and this, that, and the other matter. Um, The phone thing is the biggest 
phones. He's like they asking. Want they want phones. I yeah. know it's crazy. It's we crazy. Are super, we are super anti phone. The, the smartphone is like the devil. So it's so hard with the kids. Yeah, I mean, my 15 year old and 13 year old have phones, right. but the 12 year old surprise twins uh, been yeah. pushing on them a ton because I mean, a, one big one is I've got four daughters and a son, and my 12 year old boy. There's just no way in hell I'm going to put a phone in his hand. Yeah. I mean, good God, it's hard enough being a being a male um, in this half naked world. Um, not that it can't also be a thing for daughters too. It's just, yeah. it's just less, uh, yeah. it feels, it feels like. So, yeah. And, and with older siblings, it is tough because, you know, obviously our 17 year old has a phone, right? And he, I mean, he's an, almost an adult. And so Landon, our, he, our 11 year old doesn't really care. I mean, he's, 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 he pays attention to what we say pretty well. Like, he's like, I don't want a smartphone. I'll take a phone that I can text and call you when I'm at practice and like, yeah, take pictures and listen to music, kind of thing, you know, which is great. But then there's the daughter that's like, "Well, so and so has a phone, and she's always doing this." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's not happening." You're like, "I know you are in seven <laughs> years old, and your homies have phones. This is yeah, bizarre. It is. It's it's a weird world. So we're yeah. gonna push on that as hard as we can. That'll be one thing we'll fight for." Yeah, no doubt. I think parents, especially dads, you need to have a presence on the fo- with the phone situation. Don't just leave it up to your spouse, even if it's just so your kids know that you care. Like, be a part of the conversation. And I think sometimes dads, like, I can find myself just getting upset, like, oh, we're just not doing this, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, dude, engage in a conversation. Otherwise, I think your kids sometimes end up hiding things from you, which oh, yeah. you want to cultivate an honest relationship with your kiddos. So let's talk about you and your 17-year-old for a minute. What's that look like to have a, a senior high school boy and you're like, okay, there's a big transition coming. Does that change anything for your view of your relationship with him or the way you're cultivating what your relationship will look like in the future? Um, you know, I, I, my relationship with him at this point is like, I've laid the foundation. Mm-hmm. I've done everything I could possibly in the last 17 years to teach him right from wrong, respect, Um, it's hard when, if you have a child with another person, you know, um, because they have their own beliefs, their own parental, you know, ideologies and stuff like that. And so it's really tough no matter what you do, if there's another outside influence, then it's going to be up to that, to your Mm -hmm. son, you know? And so that's where we're at with him. He's a really good kid, really respectful. All of our friends our adult friends just love him they've known him since he was in diapers you know and he's really if i think of where i was at at 17 and where he is i've made a huge improvement you know and that that's the goal i think as parenting is yeah. like you know if you didn't grow up in a perfectly cookie cutter family with no you know crazy drama then i don't know how that but i didn't and so my goal with being a parent is to improve how i grew up so, yeah, and if we if we each have that mindset, then it really is going to set up that if you were to look generations down the road, then you're going to see growth, yeah, right? And I think yeah. that that comes back to that vulnerability piece of having our kids be comfortable. It's like just because he's 17 or 18 and going to leave doesn't mean that your relationship with him or your your opportunity to guide him is going to yeah. change or, or stop. But it's, it's because you're a growth minded person, right? So he's going to yeah. see you continuing to evolve. And so then he'll want to be on that same path. But, you know, like the relationship with him now is not the same as like a, a, my 11 year old. If I'm disciplining my 11 year old or he did something wrong, I have to be completely different with him than I am with the 17 year old. The 17 year old, I treat more like a man, like a peer, because like I said, I'm not going to, I can't bend him over my leg and swat his butt like, right? or right. put him in the corner or ground him like, it's just not that he's not at that level. So that's new for me, you know? Um, yeah. So just, I mean, talk about that just for a minute. I, I don't know what there is to say necessarily, but you know, we are treating our kids like kids until they're like 25 or older. We're not letting mm-hmm. our kids grow up. So how have you relinquished some of your grip on him so that he has the opportunity to stumble and fall and live life and make decisions? Like, how have you done that? I've, I exactly what you said. I, I, I make, so I will have a conversation with him. I'll try to guide him and as to what I think he should do. 
mm-hmm. or what I did wrong that I think, you know, like a correction kind of um, experience. And at the end of the day, he's going to make his own decision. You know, like he'll be like, yeah, dad, you're right. Okay. And then all of a sudden he ends up doing what I told him not to do. And I'm like, How okay, do you well, respond now, when he does that? I go, okay, well now that's, this is, this is the, this is what happened from your choices. And it's usually not a very good one, you know? Right. Right. So um, you're allowing, you're just, you're a guide then in that. It's not, a, I told you so. It's a, okay, let's reflect on what happened. And then yeah, I mean, you know, I you'll learn like, from that. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. I don't know, but that's what's working for me right now is I feel like, like I said, I think from three to eight, nine or 10, your kids really are who they are. Like their personality is built from mm-hmm. their mm-hmm their home life and who they're around and their parents. And he knows right and wrong and he makes a lot of good choices. He really does. He's a really good kid. Thank God. But he still does stuff that he hides stuff from me. And I've always had an open conversation. You know, I'm like, don't yeah. ever, you don't have to hide stuff from me. I'm a, I am an open book. Like just mm-hmm. bring it to me and I will try to guide you, you know? And, uh, but he still, he still pushes the line and then we kind of correct it and he comes back in, you know, on track and, just the nature of it. Yeah, I love it though. That's the point is that's what a guide does, right? Is is you have them on track and then when they veer off track, it really matters how dads respond or I should say react in those situations. Yeah. Um, because if you freak out, which is sometimes what I want to do, they're mm-hmm. probably, you know, they're not going to then end up ever trying to tell you stuff. I feel like, yeah, I feel like they just block it out right away. But it's crazy how they still try to hide stuff. Dude, my 15-year-old daughter the other day was like, Sunday, we don't do phones on Sunday. And I saw her walking outside and kind of holding it to her side, you know? And I'm like, hey, oh, no, what are you talking about? I'm like, come on, man. I'm not an idiot. I right? know. So we have this conversation. And then I give her a little time instead of just like laying in, which I have not always been good about this. And then she'll come mm. back like 20 minutes later. Dad, I'm so like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, she got to figure that out on her own. But yeah, it's, it's hard. True. It is. It is. And I'm always like, and he'll he'll do stuff where I'm like, why would you lie about that? Like that's the right. dumbest thing to right. ever try to hide from me. And if you're doing, if you're hiding this from me, what else? Are you you know, it it starts breaking the trust down. And I'm like, hey yeah. man, if you don't have trust, like if I can't trust you, not even just me, but in life in general, if your character is everything, you're gonna meet people throughout your whole life. And if they can't trust you, or they think you're shady, or they like you're trying to get one over on them, like you're not going to go anywhere. So you have to have trust and you have to, you know, you have to have respect. Yeah. You have to have trust, have to have respect. I love that. And I think even as dads, like, man, we're going to mess up. And so to have grace for ourselves and then to go apologize, that goes back to the vulnerable thing again. Like, dude, I apologize to my family all the time, (laughs) all the time in hopes that one, I'm being open and honest and that then two, that they'll see, okay, if dad can own his stuff, then I can own my stuff too. That's huge. Yeah. Good job on that. That's tough though. Sometimes I'm like, you know, God's like, Ned, dude, why are you messing around with this? Why are you lying about this? You know? Uh, And I feel like he has that same view of us at times as like we have of our kids, you know, like he's just looking for that open, honest relationship, just like we are. So constant learning. Dude, I've loved talking fatherhood. I do have one final question, but anything we didn't touch on that when you think about your life, your role as a father, um, that you'd want to jump into before I ask my final question. I mean, you know, the biggest thing is, uh, time's the one thing we can't get back. You know, it's the one commodity. So, and I think, you know, when people are, when, when you're in it, when you're in it and you have kids and it's chaotic and you're working and you're, you have stresses and all that, like your kid, 18 years, if you think of 18 year span, it's only a snippet of your life. Like it's, it's that moment. So just take it for what it is. Enjoy it. Soak it up. Cause it's only, you know, when your baby's keeping you up all night, guess what? They turn to a toddler when, you know, when they're, you're trying to get them potty trained, it's it, all this stuff's going to happen. So don't rush it. Don't freak out about it. It's you're going to, like you mm. said, you know, it goes fast. You're going to miss those moments. So, uh, yeah. Dude, I think that's such a good reminder. Don't rush it. Because I think a lot of times, even as dads, we're like, 
once the baby can walk, then I'm going to hang out with it. Oh, once the baby can fish with me, then we'll hang out. Then we'll have a good bond. Yeah. Yeah. And then before you know it, it's like, bro, they're 15 and you don't even know them. Yeah. Uh, And then you've almost missed that win. I mean, you haven't missed it. There's always time. But like you've said, with some of the things you do with your kids, waking them up in the morning and having Mm -hmm. dinner at night, it's those consistency, those moments where you're playing Uno and it's like you just get to know them. Mm, yeah critical take, your time. take yeah. your time don't rush it all right what about bmx so you you were raced bmx that was a big part of your life is that a part of your kids lives or is that like you know, old chapter? Ride, yeah it's an old chapter it's funny i've never i mean we've gone to the bmx track a couple times for practice and just had fun with friends but it's not i mean we all ride bikes and dirt bikes and we have a track at our house so we definitely are a two-wheel family but it's not a a competitive sport for us it's just for fun just for fun yeah we love it and how do you keep that how do you keep that you know with our world of constantly like get better let's be the best i mean it kind of might go to your material stuff but how do you just keep something fun in a world that wants to be famous yeah, I think I think you have to keep that on the fourth, like in the front of your mind is it's just for fun. Like it all has to start with fun. Mm. Every top athlete, every top, you know, pro, I mean, they started with a passion and then it grew into what it is. But it all has to be fun. Um, you know, in Southern California, sports and motocross and everything is a very highly demanding sport. And there's kids that are groomed from for two, sure three years old that are just you know that's it and uh it's stressful and maybe it the rest of the family can't even do what they want to do because this one kid has everything going you know the family's pouring everything into this one athlete and then the rest of the family is just along for the ride so yeah you just got to keep it fun enjoy it if your kids love it they're going to show you that they love it mm. and they're going to get better on their own mm. That's powerful. That's really powerful. And I think important, you know, to not get caught up as a dad, especially, you know, with this whole, my kid's got to be the best. Like, dude, don't define yourself by how good your kid is. Yeah. Like, that is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, well, dude, I, you know, I wish I could bottle up your, your peace, your um, contentment, really your confidence as a dude to just be yourself. I think that's what so many of us fathers and men are looking for. So I love that. And so this leads to my final question is about legacy. So 25 years down the road, you're standing in a cul-de-sac looking into your children's homes. What is it that you see knowing that your day in day out decisions are what led to the culture you're seeing in their homes? Yeah, I, I hope to see just family, you know, unity, um, happiness, contentment, um, you know, a lot of people think of legacy as leaving, you know, money, material things, homes, all this kind of stuff, which is great. But you can teach anyone to make money. You can't teach people to have a certain personality or a certain, you know, value system, I feel like. So, I mean, yeah, that's definitely more like that's got to be ingrained in who you yeah. become when you're young. Yeah, I really hope, you know, my children remember the the mornings, the evenings, the games, the, you know, the consistency that I showed in their yeah. lives and hopefully the patience and the lovingness and the caring and um, the, you know, the protector. I, I hope they carry all those things as, as the legacy that I leave them. Dude, I love it. And as I write this down, you know, you, you said you want unity, family and contentment, something that our world is like fighting against. Like if you look at our world, you wouldn't say that those are core values of America as an example. Unity, nope. Family, nope. Content, nope. Now all of those, I mean, those all come from the one thing that you talked about is time. It's just being present with your time. Like those things happen. We all want the fruit of that, but we're not willing to put the work in for that. And it's the flipping the lights on at seven in the morning get out of bed. It's another yeah. great day. Say good morning to God. I mean, that's what it's like. You know, my kids are like, yeah, okay, dad, whatever. <laughs> um, but that's, what's going to lead to those legacy pieces. And I love it. And I think as dads, man, this is so core to my heart is that 
the only place you can learn those three things you brought up, unity, family, and contentment, is in your home. And so us dads, if we want to change the world, we can do it in our homes. If you look at what our world looks like 100 years from now, if a bunch of us dads are doing this by right. giving our family our time, dude, our world will be different. Dude, it yeah. all starts in the home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what this Rebel and Create podcast is about, is like highlighting Billy from Temecula, who is flipping the lights on at 7 a.m., Every single day, right? And it's like if all of us dads know that, oh, shoot, I'm not alone. I don't got to do this all by myself. Yeah. If there's other like-minded dudes, it, it's just like this collective momentum that I'm hoping yeah. creates. We, we just like highlight how awesome and how important dads are. Yeah, I so, love it. So, dude, that's what you're doing. Your consistency speaks to me. It speaks to dudes listening. And, and it's building a foundation for that legacy to become a reality. So, dude, I just encourage you, keep being yourself. Keep showing up uh, content and and confident for your wife and your kids, dude. And I know that you will change the world um, just through being a dad. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Love it, dude. Thanks for being on the show. My friends, what another amazing conversation with a dad who is waking up like you and I to love and serve their family well. We are not alone. There are other dudes just like us who are really living to be intentional men and fathers on the adventure of fatherhood. A couple things that really stuck out to me is, you guys, if we can wake our kids up, if we can have breakfast with them, if we can have dinner with them, if we can put them in bed. Now, I know based on job and schedule, that's not always possible, but to fight for those things. You know, we talk about breaking bread with people, this idea of pausing and sharing a meal. And even if you're sitting around on the floor or you're sitting around the dinner table or you're sitting around for breakfast without the television on, without distractions, to, to say, hey, don't start eating until mom sits down. Hey, don't don't start eating until we, we say we're thankful for this. We acknowledge some gratitude. Hearing Billy share about his family and, and the way that they have created rhythm and routine, which to him and to others may seem very basic, build a foundation for the legacy that you and I desire. If this podcast was helpful for you, please share it with somebody. We need to help let other dads know that they're not alone and that there's dudes collectively building families that are going to leave a positive mark on this earth. I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. And if you haven't already, please write a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. It helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.